1: entrepreneur, investor and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley.
0: Hi everybody, it's Nick Bradley here and welcome to the 25th episode of Scale Up Your Business. So that's gone quickly. Certainly has gone quickly for me. I remember before I was launching, I was advised to create 6 episodes and that seemed to be because it was the first time I was doing it, it seemed like it took forever. And if you listen back to some of those episodes, you probably agree with me that Um, they were not as polished as perhaps I would like them to be. But here we are, 25th episode, and I'm incredibly grateful for all the support that I've got from you guys. Really, really pleased that I'm adding value, and I'm going to continue doing it and trying to make the episodes better and better and certainly more interesting as we go forward for the next 25 and beyond. So today, to in some cases celebrate the 25th, I have got... An unbelievable guest on the show. Now, before I tell you how we met and who he is and all that sort of thing, let me just say that when we did the recording um, last week, I was so inspired and pumped up after that recording that I literally got outside and went for a 5K run. So it's, you know, without overselling the, the episode, you are going to get so much out of this. I'm incredibly excited by um, the amount of information that we covered and, and how much I know it's going to help you, because of the different messages and requests that I get literally on a daily basis now, a lot of the stuff that we cover today about both business and mindset are going to come together in a way which I think will, in, some, in, so, in so many ways, uh, bring congruency to the various messages that I've been delivering on um, the first uh, 25 episodes of the show. So, who have I got? I have got a guy by the name of Rock Thomas. Now, Rock has had literally three decades as a life coach, self-made millionaire, you know, huge, huge amount of energy. You know, the, the, when you when you see the passion this guy's got in the show, you're literally going to fall off your chair. You know, essentially, his story is amazing. I, I definitely recommend that you um, do a Google search on Rock and have a look at the video that he's got up, which has had something like 70 million views on Goldcast. But you know he'll he'll introduce himself shortly. But you know, long story short, started off in a farm, literally in uh, Montreal, um, rose to be the top of his game in real estate, self-made millionaire, as I said. And then he realised actually that financial success is just part of something bigger, which is you know certainly a message that I talk about on the show. And he embarked on a on a quest, if you like, for knowledge from some of the best teachers on earth, and he's been coached, mentored by Deepak Chopra, um, Tony Robbins, where he was a, a, literally a, a life coach for him for 17 odd years, uh, Jack Canfield, Robert Kiyosaki, to name but a few. I mean, literally. And he now has 34 business streams, um, You know, sort of 34 streams of revenue coming in and absolutely financially free. And his mission, if you like, is teaching people how to do that, how to get there. So he's going to take you through all of that today. Literally, we're going to go through his journey. And uh, as I said, it's quite a ride. Just before I um, get into the show, just to tell you a little bit of um, fate or serendipity. And I go into this a little bit in the episode about how we met through a mutual um, contact. But what was happening literally a few weeks ago, I was over in Amsterdam with my family. And we were talking about having a phone call and setting up the podcast and all that sort of thing. And literally, his PA came back to me and said, So you're going to be in Amsterdam on this date? And I said, Yeah, yeah, we fly out the next day. And she said, Brock's flying into Amsterdam that very morning. And I'm like, You're kidding. I mean, out of all the cities in the world, I mean, I live in the UK. He lives obviously over in Canada. We're going to be in the same city for a 24 hour period. So what happened? We met up, we went out for dinner. Um, we probably could have recorded the podcast at dinner (laughs) we got into all sorts of things and uh, you know sometimes sometimes the world puts things and puts situations and opportunities in front of you and they're meant to be and certainly um, how rock and i met you know you'll get a lot of the rapport you'll get a lot of the sense that we think very similarly around you know how you should live your life and certainly how you should scale up businesses So that's enough from me, a bit of a long intro. You're going to love it. So here we go. Let me introduce you to Rock Thomas. Hi, everyone. It's Nick here, and welcome to a very special 25th episode of the Scale Up Your Business podcast. Today, I'm honored, privileged, excited to have with me a man who's done a hell of a lot of amazing things in his life and now dedicates his time, his focus, his passion to helping others achieve success and fulfillment. So to set the scene a bit, Um, I caught up with a friend recently named Ken Eslick, who I met at a Tony Robbins event last year, and we got talking about scaling up businesses, mindset, this podcast, and he said to me, you have to have this guy on the show. He's a badass. Now, I didn't quite know what that meant, but I certainly do now, so it's my absolute pleasure to welcome to the show, Rock Thomas. I feel really privileged to have Rock. He's here live on the podcast, so thank you very much for giving us your time today. Very grateful.
1: Well, I love being in the category of badass. I guess it's an American term, but it's kind of weird, both two two bad words meaning a good thing. Absolutely. I I
0: get it now. I get it now. Trust me, Ken gave me a a full education and being what, sort of from Australia and sort of living in the UK, it's, you know, we don't quite use that, but we get it. We get it. Um, So to kick things off, you know, I was having a little bit look at kind of obviously all the stuff you've done. I was trying to kind of work out exactly what you don't do. So I've got... Massively successful entrepreneur, self-made millionaire, big in speaking, influencing, educating on personal development and growth. Obviously, you work with Tony Robbins for a long time as a master coach. You've studied with some of the best teachers in the world on personal development. Huge social media following with, uh, as I believe, over 70 million people watching the Goldcast video, which, as I said, I recently posted. Um, Scratch golfer, pretty much.
1: <laughs> Used to be, I don't play that much. I mean, I've shot below par four times, but uh, that was in a past life. That's pretty good. So, as I was gonna say, what would you say you
0: do? I mean, more, more importantly, what is your mission and and do you have a specialty or speciality?
1: You know, I think that what I do is I'm a passionately curious person with a great work ethic. And when you combine those two things, whatever you put your energy and intention on, you're going to get some results. So, I've been fortunate enough to do that. Um, consider myself an artist, but business is my canvas. Okay. So I've done well in different businesses. I've done well in the area of sales. But what I'll do typically is I'll take an area, Nick, that uh, I could develop. And a little bit like if you were to lead a, a, a sports team and you look at, we could do really well with a better infielder. And what does that position look like? And who would that ideally be the avatar? I look at my personality like that. So right now I'm, I'm studying hard on uh, negotiation, okay. the psychology behind negotiating what they do when they negotiate with terrorists and people like that. What's the inner play? What's the human need being desired by that person? And, and how does it affect all other areas of my life? And when I was recently in Eastern Europe at the Ritz-Carlton, we had three things go negatively and successfully negotiated $2,000 back. So
0: that's good. That sounds like a good return on investment then.
1: <laughs> so those are the things that interest me is I learn to be able to teach. And then I try to teach things that I think are valuable in today's world when it comes to getting results. And I divide my life into eight areas. So you say, okay, you do a lot, but you know, health and vitality. I have certain things that I do in that area. I have a trainer and I work out and I'm in my 50s. So I now work out more with lighter weights and swim and And i make it more about being you know pliable and living long term versus you know just lifting weights and and gaining muscle so i try to be intentional in the different areas and lots of great mentors and be a great student and you can get some pretty good results
0: right and and when did you i mean this is we obviously we met recently in a a kind of random way in amsterdam which i'll just share with the listeners because it's quite a cool story i think yeah you believe in serendipity so as i mentioned before through ken we started chatting and then I was away in Amsterdam with my family and literally the day before I was flying back, I think you were flying in. So we managed to catch up for a couple of drinks and some dinner and, um, and sort of tried not to get too much into what the podcast was going to be during that meeting, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. um, just to say, so I mean, when did you, I mean, your journey has been pretty impressive. I'd like you to take um, the listeners through that, if that's okay. Um, but also how, you know, you're obviously really focused, there's, there's a massive thing around as you said, looking for areas where you can improve, add value for yourself and for others. When did you know that that's what was going to be your mission and you know, something that was of interest to you?
1: It's an interesting question because I think it's a question a lot of people ask themselves is, what's my purpose? Why am I here? What's the meaning of my life? And I get asked that so often. How did you know? The reality is, Nick, I didn't know. But what I did learn is that if you show up 100% at whatever you're doing, life will start to reveal itself to you. And it started way back when I was working at McDonald's. I had this opportunity to clean the lobby instead of two people because one guy got sick. The manager asked me if I could clean the lobby, do the best I could. He goes, you'll never be able to do it all. It's always done by two people. And of course, don't give me a challenge. (laughs) And I found a way to clean it on my own and keep the standards high. And I got a promotion and that was enough for my brain to go, hold on a second here. When you go the extra mile, you get attention, you get recognition, you get more opportunities. So I started to continue to do that everywhere I went, and everywhere I went, I started to look for how do I do it better, how do I improve it, and it led me to so many opportunities. And what most people do is they go clean the lobby. Well, why? I'll, I just I'm not going to get paid any. I get paid ten bucks an hour to clean the lobby. Why would I bust my my butt? The reason is this is you bring you, that version of you, to the next opportunity. And if you bust your butt, if you show up with integrity, if you give it everything you've got, one day the lead scorer on your team is going to get injured and you're going to be put in that position and you are not going to rise to the level of the opportunity. You are going to descend to the level of your preparation. Got it. I've spent my whole life preparing for the opportunity that other people didn't prepare for, and therefore, you shine better than the other people, if that makes sense. and That makes perfect sense.
0: I mean, I think, you know, we spoke about this when we met, but a lot of people don't get that, or more importantly, they don't get it straight away. And, you know, a lot of what you said there, I sort of put down is partly showing up and stepping up, actually, and being the best version of yourself when you have the opportunity, or not even when you do, just to be there. And that actually gives two things. Gives you the self-confidence and gets you the results that you can see. And then obviously it has wider, far impacting things that, you know, that can be beneficial to you and to others.
1: Yeah, we know this. You are what you do repeatedly. So if you're going to repeatedly show up and just only perform when the big stage is there, you're not going to perform when the big stage is there. It's no one's. I studied all the best, the athletes, the Olympic athletes, the top performers. They practice harder than anybody else.
0: Yeah, what do they say? It's um, I think it was that famous quote, it's, uh, you get uh, rewarded in public for what you do in practice. Exactly. Fantastic. So, if you go back to sort of, you know, when you first, your, your business success, because I mean, a lot of people on this podcast are, I mean, many of the ones who get in touch with me, they're early stage. Yeah, I call them startup to scale up. And the reason I, I, I launched the podcast and the reason I kind of do what I do is, I found that lots of entrepreneurs who start businesses aren't great at scaling them. And in a lot of cases, it becomes a mindset thing, which you've touched on, and a few other bits. But just take us through kind of you know, your beginning when you really started to sort of make it, so to speak, and and kind of a little bit more insight for, um, for everyone on the show.
1: Well, I think it's a, an evolution. I have something called the eight tra- characteristics of success, and one of them is you know a tracker, the personality of you that's a tracker. I was really good at tracking numbers, okay. so I knew what my efforts were giving me. Most people struggle, because I own a few real estate companies. If you ask the average realtor, what their sales are at at any given time of year, they go, I don't know. Where, how many phone calls do you need to make in order to uh, you know, get a closed transaction? I have no idea. So how are you going to be motivated if it takes you, you know, 100 calls and three and a half hours to reach those people and you're going to make $7,000? How are you going to motivate yourself when you call for two hours and you get nothing? You won't. You'll be discouraged. So one of the elements that I work on with people is I say, we got to develop how you track your time, your money, and your results. And if you're not willing to do that, you're going to be an average producer. Just accept that. So I was fortunate in that I just would go into things and I'd pay attention. I would learn from the people around me. If I couldn't answer a question from a client, I'd walk around the hallways and I'd say, hey, Nick, I got stumped here. What would you have said? Hey, John, I got stumped here. What would you have said? I was so passionately curious and I hated to lose. That I would just find out and I'd go. That'll never happen again. I'm not going to be stumped. I refuse to be stumped on that one. I will push past that. I'm going to get to the ten yard line. Next time, I'll get to the nine yard line, then the eighth, and the seven, and then I will ram that in and score the goal by hook or crook. Most people aren't like that. They go, "Oh, I got stopped at the ten yard line. Uh, we'll kick a field goal." Sorry, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's no, an no, American no, no. football. I got to remember. We get it. We get um, it. <laughs> okay. no, I certainly get it. So, okay. Um, well, i get half the points I would if I then I completed. So how do you scale up? Me, we, they. First, you go in, you become great. Me. Then you bring somebody alongside of you that observes you and watches your expertise. And then you give them feedback as you observe them. And then you, once they've hit the standards that you have, you move away and you go into your next business. I have 37 streams of income. I have different people running different companies because I went in, I put the light bulbs in, I cleaned the floors. I did that. I answered the phones and then I got somebody to do that little piece and I gave them feedback and I built my businesses that way. So me, we, they, is the system I use, get really good at it, be passionately curious and track. Um, I mean, I could go on and on, but these are just some of the things off the top of my head that most people don't do. And it comes from a belief often that, well, You know, nobody can do it like me. So, or they hire somebody, but they don't train them properly and they do a crap job and they go, oh my God, that was a waste of time. I hired them. I paid them. I did their job for them. And now I'm buying it back. I'm not doing that again.
0: (laughs) One of the things that um, I take away from what you just said, because I I mention it quite a lot with people I speak to is, you know, you measure what you get. Um, and actually, you get all sorts of things back. You get definitely get feedback. You get results. You get the ability to change. Yes. But you're right. Not many people do that. Um, and then, to some extent, it becomes you know predictable. You know, and people say to me, "How do you create a business that's predictable?" And I always say, "You measure everything. You run many experiments. You get something back, and then you iterate. You evolve. You change. And those things give you better results." Um, but in, in terms of, but again, you're right. Not many people do it. And it seems so simple in the way you explain it. <laughs> <laughs> but there must have been. I mean, it's 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 crazy, isn't it? I mean, what, what's your thoughts on kind of that must have a massive impact on, on everything to, in terms of business.
1: Well, think about it. Most people know what to do, but they don't do what they know. Knowing's not enough. Most people know they should exercise more. Most people know they should not eat the way they eat. Most people know they should call their mom more often. Right? There's things we know we should do, but we don't have the emotional intelligence to get ourselves to do the things that we know. So the work is the personal development. How do you get yourself to have the emotional IQ? You, the people that are hugely successful have a rage for mastery, an absolute inferno inside that says, I, I like to get better. I hate to lose. I want to compete. I want to be in the arena with other competitors. What's, what's more fun? Watching people play the World Cup and watching the team win 16-0? Or watching with one minute left in overtime, the team win 3-2 after two shots have gone off the goalpost on either end. And finally, right? Yeah. We Get want it. to be in an arena with a worthy opponent, but we, want, we need the tools to be able to battle it. Nobody wants to be on the losing end of 16 nothing. You feel humiliated. It's discouraging. You, you don't even want to bother. They pass it all around you. So I would say that if you if you're, don't have that rage, Nick, the people listening don't have a rage to learn. I would say, you know, if you're going to win, if I, if I say to you, hey, Nick, come to the front of the room and juggle three balls, and you're really good at juggling, you're going to go, yes, I'm coming up there because you have a chance to win. Let's say you've never juggled. And I say, come to the front of the room, juggle three chainsaws. You're going to go, No, I don't want to die.
0: Even if I was great at juggling, I think the chainsaws would be too much, but I get the point.
1: (laughs) Right. So if you could go up there and start juggling balls and have a really good coach and they could show you how to do it, you could get better and better and you love to learn, you would say yes. So if you could go up and you could prove that you were really good at at it, you would go because you'd like to win and you'd like to be good. The problem is most people only want to win. They don't want to learn to win. And that's the difference, I think, is yeah. I love to learn. And if you're a learner and you have a weakness around tracking your points and you want to win, you'll freaking track your points.
0: Got it. So you'll do what it takes yes. is what you're saying. as You said that rage. And, what you, and when you're working with people, and you must come into all sorts, and I'm sure that there's a bit where the same types of people attract the same types of people, right? So there's a bit where... You know, if you're into this, if you really are into personal development, you, you happen to meet other people who are into that as well, and you get it. But a lot of people who I speak to, particularly um, in what I do with, with my businesses, they're not sure where to start. In fact, one of, I've got a question. I'm going to throw this one in here because I think this is um, an interesting one with your first book, actually. So a guy called Will Kekos, who is a good friend of mine, he runs a real estate, um, works in a real estate business um, in, um, in Florida. He said, how important is having a clear identity in achieving business success? And then he said, how do you find
1: one if you don't know what yours is? (laughs) Well, um, again, I go back to the three M's, find a mentor model till you master them. When I got into real estate, I got in because I got fired from a job working in the airlines. My dad got sick. I took care of him for a couple of years, lost all my money, came home, lived on my mom's couch. I know it's cliche. I was in debt. Uh, got into real estate, sucked at it badly because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was too shy and embarrassed to ask for help. So eventually, I became desperate. I had no money. I was working at night at a senior citizen home just to put gas in my car. And, but I was working hard during the day. And, and the gentleman who worked for another company saw this and he offered to mentor me. And I was really surprised because he goes, I really see the potential in you, Rock. And I go, Well, what do you mean? I've, I've only sold one home in my first year. He goes, Yeah, but I see your work ethic. He goes, Are you coachable? And I said, I think so. He goes, Well, then you're going to do for six months what I say, not question it, pour your energy into what I say. And after six months, you can fire me if you don't have the results. I said, Fair deal. And that year, I sold 32 properties, became the number one agent, went on to 65. In 99, then and bought the company. And what I learned from that is find a person who's really good at what they do, that you respect and admire ideally. This guy wore really nice clothes. He had a family that worked in the business. He drove a really nice car that I wanted to drive. He had a really beautiful family, two really nice kids that worked in the business, a beautiful wife. He had everything that I thought I wanted. And so I was willing to listen to him and not question it. What a lot of people do is they don't, they don't think it's worth it to do it the way the person tells them to do it. They think there's an easier way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Like, oh, yeah, you got to track all these numbers. You're going to have to do a business plan. You do that. And they're like, I, should, I don't have to do business plan. I know what I want. I just do this way. And then they cut corners. They don't begin with the end in mind. Yada yada yada. Why do you
0: think? Why do you think they do that? I mean, it's, and this is something that I think you know because I've seen this happen all the time. You get a blueprint, whatever it is. You know, you buy a training program, education program. Everything's laid out for you, right? And then you don't do it. Not that you don't do something, but you don't do that thing which you've paid for or you've. Why? Why do people
1: not not do it? Is it something in their psychology? Great question. Great question. I have a freaking great answer for you. Good. Why do, people, <laughs> why do people sign up for? Do you guys have those tough mutters? Yeah, and those, yeah those, tough those,
0: mutters, Spartan race, right. all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Why do
1: people sign up for that? Why would you voluntarily sign up for something that you know is going to be really, really hard? Why do people do it? Why do I do it? <laughs>
0: Remember I've run all these bloody ultra marathons and, and do you know what I put it down to? So for me, there's a couple of things. One was a little bit of escaping just to kind of yeah. feel things and be present and be focused. Yeah. And when you're in that level of intensity, when you're running a hundred kilometer race or something like that, you can't be much other than there. Yeah. <laughs> you're either there or you're somewhere else, put it that way, but you're, yeah. there's no in between.
1: But check it out. You're fully freaking present. You're alive. You've got a mission, right? It's you and the world. It's you and your soul. So it's not completing the ultimate race. It's who you need to become to even compete. So people get it backwards. They go, Oh, I want to become a real estate agent. I want to make $250,000 a year. No, you don't. You create that as an obstacle for who you need to become. And when you focus on that every day, Where you're cold calling, you're in there, bam, bam, bam. You're getting better at your jab, you're getting better at the counter, and you get better. That's why we do it. So they've got it wrong. What they want to do is to think if I could just get to the top or the end of the race easily, I'll be happy. No, it's by putting defined, difficult obstacles in the way that you get to get better. And that's what you get to keep. So I love to get better. So, I choose obstacles that make me have to dig down deep. The derivative or the byproduct is something called money.
0: Got it. So, when someone avoids the obvious, you know, the thing that's straight in front of them that's going to get them maybe the result or, as you said, it's going to get them the, you know, the, uh, the journey to be who they are, then is, is, it, is it fear then? Are they just
1: scared of going on that path? Because, you know, it just seems obvious they, sometimes. I think they don't know. I think they don't know. I'll give you an example. Um, years ago I got a DUI. Yeah. I had one day where I was behaving like an idiot and, um, girl didn't show up at the bar. I got pissed off, pulled out of the, the, the bar with my fancy sports car cop right there nailed for two years. I drove around with the machine on the car. You got to blow into the machine, yeah. completely humiliated, embarrassed, felt like a jerk, hit it from people, Ducked my head down. It goes off randomly at different times. Be on the phone in the middle of a call. beep, 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 you got to blow in the thing. I looked at it as an exciting obstacle. This was my tough mutter. This was me still performing with all these obstacles, having to, having to put the call on mute or close the video or whatever, and then blow in this thing, and then get back on the call, and et cetera, and find a way to win. No victim. There's no room for the victim. It was just like, it's just like you running your 100-mile race, and because you're so good, you decide to put a 10-pound vest on just to see who you are. So life brings you all these obstacles. It brings you difficulties. How are you going to show up? Are you going to bitch and complain about that 10-pound pack you chose to put on or bitch and complain because somebody came up and put it on you or my ultimate goal? goal is is no matter what I choose to throw at myself or life does, I'm going to respond in the most elegant, resourceful, positive, enlightened way. So it doesn't matter if life makes the competitor or my general manager quit and open up the competition. Game freaking on, man. Let's go.
0: Wow. I am pumped now, mate. You know what? I was thinking, I was preparing for this and I thought I knew I'd be um, excited speaking to you. I'm now pumped, right? Absolutely. (laughs) This is cool. And you know what the best thing is? The best thing is I know, I know from all the different messages that I get, and I get heaps, right? Heaps and heaps. And they are always things like, uh, can you help me with lead generation? Uh, I'm not quite sure how our cash flows are working. Mm -hmm. But then when you unpack it, right? And I jump on, I do this thing, right? Where anyone who contacts me, I jump on a call with them. Always do it. Just, you know, it's part of my... Yeah, I like to. I like to. You know, it's back to sort of helping people, right? So it's part of my thing. You know, it's the reason why I do this. And nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, it's something up here in the head, right? So my question—I already know the answer, but I just want to hear how you answer it—is how important is mindset in business, and and how important has it been for you? I mean, obviously you've you've mentioned it, but if you're talking to someone who's starting out in business and they're feeling just overwhelmed. What's some advice you can give to them for that as well?
1: Yeah, well, I know you know the answer, but it's a muscle. Um, you, don't get, you don't go to the gym once and get a bicep the size of mm-hmm. uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You go in and you work it consistently, and you work your mindset consistently. I have, like you do, days where I'm discouraged or pissed off or frustrated or angry, angry but the amount of time I spend there is way less than it used to be. I get a ticket from a police officer, let's say, for going through you know, uh, speeding on my way to work, and I can be pissed off for a week, for a day, or for five minutes. In golf, they say, what's the most important shot in golf? Ben Hogan. The next one. Why? Because your mindset is about how did you recover from the last one? If you hit it great, 290 down the middle, do you get greedy? Do you get too aggressive? Do you move from your game plan? If you hit it into the woods... And you chip it out and you're now behind. Are you gonna to try to overdo it? Are you pissed off? You're gonna be upset for two, three holes. So mindset's everything. It comes down to practices, Nick. And I just have rituals that I've learned from other successful people that keep me in a better place more often than in a bad place.
0: Got it. And I'm sure, I'm sure these rituals and these things change and evolve over time. So, you know, there's probably nothing standard, but if you can give Just some examples to to the listeners today of some of the things that have helped you over over your career and, you know, have got you to where you are now, because clearly, you know, you're mastering this stuff, if not mastered, because I know it's a journey. Um, So, what's some tips?
1: Well, I think, you know, my first book, The Power of Your Identity, talks about how you describe yourself or define yourself determines how you show up. If you say, I hate cold calling, or I hate doing my numbers, or, you know, I I have trouble scaling my business, you're giving yourself... uh, like a, a, a role in a movie let's say you know you're want to design the ideal role in a movie and this movie is about this epic hero's journey of this guy who builds this massive business impacts a lot of people's lives is a great dad or a great mom and has time to spend time with his children if that's the movie you write well then what is the character traits and then you i am them so when i started i was you know i was hard worker and i went to hard, to a smart worker I went to, I was the worst real estate agent too. I kept on telling myself I'm the greatest real estate agent in Montreal and they're lucky if I take their listing. I changed my perspective on things. I'd walk in with posture. I prepared. I did my analysis. A lot of people don't prepare. They're not experts. They try to wing it. They have low standards. So I take care of my health, my nutrition. Energy is the edge. So if you're an entrepreneur, Richard Branson says the best thing you can do is get in the gym. Most people are not energetic. They get to 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're running out of gas. So for me, it's rituals. It's the I am statements. It's affirmations. Mm -hmm. I'm getting better and better every day. I'm the type of person who builds businesses and attracts talent. I'm a great decision maker. When information comes at me, I can cipher through it and quickly make a decision like a shrewd businessman. I'm an epic negotiator. I mean, I language myself into it, right? And I follow it up by reading the books that make me better and better at it. I surround myself with people that teach me I listen to Nick's podcast and I get smarter and smarter. There you go. That's that's the best tip. That's the best (laughs) tip, Rock.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But on on the the affirmations is is something that comes up quite a bit because people get a bit confused by them. Um, I I totally get the idea that, you know, you are what you say you are. And the I am statements, you know, it's programming, isn't it? And, you know, you get your programming from so many different things. But, I mean, how – is it something – obviously, you do it daily. Do you do it for hours a day? (laughs) was I mean, <laughs> in my case, yeah. Um,
1: really? Really? What, in the car and just, just constantly with? Whenever I can, whenever I can. I mean, wow. I just garbage in, garbage out. So um, I do it as much as I can. And I, you know, I, I like to think I'm creative and I have guys like Tony Robbins as a mentor. So I know he does it a lot. I look at uh, great athletes that will meditate an hour before their game and just visualize, you know, stopping the shots or scoring the goals or dribbling. Um, There's a famous football player that is known for lying in his bed and throwing the football up in the air in the dark and then anticipating catching it where the laces would be by just listening to the sound of it twirling. Wayne Gretzky, a great hockey player, is known for watching the game and drawing a a hockey uh, rink on a piece of paper and watching the game and just looking at the TV and tracing where the puck went on the game. And then looking at hundreds and hundreds of those And creating a memory in his brain of where the puck statistically goes. And he would look and he'd go in his brain, he goes, 65% of the time, it does not go into that space. So I will never go there. Or I will go there to be where nobody is. So when you're into your craft, you want to um, spend as much time obsessing on it as possible. So for me if i'm at the airport i'm listening to a podcast or i'm walking down and i'm mumbling to myself you know you're ruggedly handsome you're a sexy devil you're a great businessman whatever i want because the inner narrative never quits yeah. it never stops so you might as well be intentional that's the way i look at it yeah
0: otherwise as you said you know you're talking to yourself all the time you know that inner voice is saying stuff all the time and if you don't take some control over that and grab it and decide what you want to say. Have you seen the,
1: the, the Disney movie, Inside Out? I have. My young daughters love it. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great movie for anybody that's listening. If you haven't seen it or if you have, see it and watch it again. It's basically the life we have in our brain. Is we've got fear and doubt and worry and guilt and shame and disgust. They're all ready to go, lined up and ready to take <laughs> control, right? And if you don't arm yourself on the other side with the good guys and go, hey, you know, fear, and doubt, worry, calm down. This is not a hostile situation. You're just asked to speak in front of a group of five people, stop sweating, chill out, you got this. If you give voice to those other people of courage and anticipation and leadership and hunger and great learner, they'll drown out those other voices. And that's where confidence will come in Mm because you've paid the price of practice in private to perform in public like a pro. Fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. As I said, I,
0: it comes up every week, multiple times. And most yeah. people, as I said, they have doubts. Everyone has doubts. Everyone has fears, but it's how you, how you sort of handle that and what you do about it, which makes the difference. Um, you've got, as I said before, and you've had, you've been taught by some pretty amazing people. Um, I mentioned a couple beforehand. You mentioned Tony Robbins, who I've been to a few of his things, um, has had a major impact on my life. You've T. T- Harv Eker, Deepak Chopra, Jack Canfield, Stephen Covey. There's probably many more. Who's, who's, who's had the biggest influence? Or have they all had a good influence in their own ways? Is there anyone that stands out?
1: Without a doubt, Tony, because of his energy. When I went to his events, I thought anybody that can go for 16 hours a day with that kind of energy and enthusiasm, there must be something there. I shifted the way I eat. I shifted uh, my rituals. Um, I started to change definitely with incantations or affirmations for people that don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And I started to also change the people I hung out with. We have this thing around connection and community that drives our behavior and most people don't realize it because it's like a fish being in water, you don't realize it till you're out. So people have this whole ecosystem around their five friends and their neighbor and the, the, the language that they use. And until you actually start to be conscious of that, you will be your environment. So I started to change my environment and upgrade it and look for people that were smarter, faster than me and that really calibrated my life to a whole new level. And I continue to do it. And I've had to, you know, I've gone to India and meditated with some of the shamans there. I've gone to Bhutan and two weeks with the monks. And I'm looking for different parts of me. I've gone to Costa Rica and experimented with plant medicine. And, you know, I've done different things to see what part of me has not yet been discovered. And how can I integrate that into a learning to be a better teacher? I think everybody has to do their journey. But I've had many, many different teachers. Tony, maybe 50% of my influence. And then everybody else is kind of a smattering of different people. (laughs) I like that.
0: You mentioned before um, the eight sort of various parts of, I suppose, your life. I had a question from someone, a guy called Mark Townend, who who, uh, watched your video and straight away came back with this. He said, um, What would be interesting to know, Rock's thoughts on an order of sorting one's life out? He then mentions things like finances, health, relationships, and says, but assuming for a second someone has none of those things, his words, where, um, where they want them to be,
1: um, where would they start? <laughs> okay, well, I'm sure you don't have none of them. You just don't have them where you want to be. Um, but I would say they're interconnected. And I would say, for instance, one of the categories is to be an asker. If you don't ask and it shall be given, you don't ask, you're not going to get. But if you're not really very driven, you probably won't ask. So I would say the place to start is to become passionately curious about just about everything. So to me, I I categorize that under learner. I'm a passionately curious person. The second thing I would do is audit my days. Get a journal. You don't have to have any skill. Get a journal at the end of the day and answer these questions. What worked? What didn't work? How could I do it better? What did I learn? What did I love? How did I contribute? Some of these questions. You can go to rockthomas.com, get my book. They're all in, the, in there for free. So being a learner would be number one, I would say. Number two, not necessarily in this order, is work on your health and energy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Become enlightened. Most people know more about their car than they do about their body. So I'm 56 and I have yet, there's one guy, one guy, I challenge anybody anywhere in the world Anybody, any age, to a push up contest. And there's one guy that beat me. And I stopped at 82 and he went to 96. And then afterwards, he told me that he just won the push up contest in his state and he's 22 years old and I'm 56. And he practiced for three months just push ups. So I'll give you an idea of the value I put on energy. Yeah. So be really great learner, be amazing with getting education around your health, your energy, what works for you. It works differently for everybody. And then the third thing would be around this resilience thing. Read David Goggins' book, Mm -hmm. Um, Can't Hurt Me. Yeah, I love it. Become the type of person that pushes yourself beyond what you're normal to. And if you read The Rise of Superman, you realize that the best way to do that is 4% outside your comfort zone on a repeated basis. Your brain can handle it, you'll learn from it, and you'll be willing to do it. If you start you know, trying to jump out of an airplane with no parachute and have to dive after your parachute, you'll freak out and die. But people do that, but they build themselves up to it. And then there's working on your personality, which is you know, the whole Dale Carnegie thing. There's tracking your numbers. There's being a better leader and visionary. There's self-aware and self-care. And that rounds out the top eight. But I would start with those first three. Be right. a great learner, energy, and work on your resilience. That is a
0: great answer. I mean, as you you were talking, I was thinking a couple of things. I mean, I I massively um, prioritize my health and energy as well. There you go. Just because, you know, the ability to do more, to give more, to be more, just not, I mean, it's in business, it's in life, the whole piece, it's the starting point or the foundation piece for me. And actually, if I think back over my sort of childhood being really overweight, you know, my identity had to shift to not be that person. And then that stayed with me. And actually, it's helped me massively
1: for, um, for years. <clears throat> Here's a quick litmus test, by the way, on that. Yeah. Is if you get to the end of the night, I want you, when you go to bed, <clears throat> journal for seven days. Do I have the energy to make love? Supposing that the other partner was, I was willing say, to I was every say, single this, this night. Does my
0: wife have to have the energy as well? <laughs> she'll listen to this and she'll, she'll come and hit me in a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that one up to you. We'll leave that one. Um, okay. I, I
0: can journal <laughs> and then I can nudge. <laughs>
1: But think about that. Most people, they get to the end of the day and they've made decisions where they can barely get to bed, uh, let alone journal or read. So what I, that's just a little test for you. Do you have the pat? Could you go for half an hour in passion for seven days a week? Or have you made decisions during the day that's burned those bridges? And if so, maybe you want to make some new decisions and pretend that's going to happen even if it won't. So you have the energy to get there. Got it.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, I'll I'll gently suggest that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I find also, and I think you've touched on this a little bit, you know, as you were saying through the various um, areas of your life, but um, if you're doing something you're really passionate about, you know, it doesn't feel like it's energy sapping anyway. You know, that idea that you're about to go on holiday and whatever else you have, you get very excited. And again, I think a lot of people don't have that or don't do things in their lives where they, they feel that every day. They, they get up and they get on the train or the subway in the US and you see their faces. It looks like all the life is just sucked out of them. It doesn't look like they got any energy. They might do. Um, what do you, what's your advice to people who are in that situation? I did a podcast called Burning the Boats recently, one of my most popular ones. If people are in that sort of headspace, mind, mindset, whatever you want to call it, emotional state, what do you, what do you say to them when you, when you meet those people?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a good question. I would say this is if you feel like you're stuck in that nine to five, paying the bills and you're kind of trapped because you have kids and, and mortgages and all that sort of thing, find the one area of the thing that lights you up and do it five or 10% of the time during the week. If it's an hour or two, three days a week or whatever, you know, run your own podcast or start writing a couple of pages to a book or play the drums or you know, something that lights you up. Most of the businesses I've started, Nick, have been very part-time until they could take up more time. Six years ago, you know, I was not running mastermind groups. Now, I have six different mastermind groups with over 1,000 members, 25 events a year, and 50 staff. But it started with six guys getting together in a house and going, hey, wouldn't it be cool to go to Norway, do some kayaking, man, and have a couple of beers? <laughs> Who do you know that you come with us, (laughs) Yeah, meet you there. So it started, but then what did I do? I I was running my real estate company 12 hours a day. I just opened it. And then one or two interviews a day, I would talk to a guy, hey, this is a vision we have for this mastermind group. Do you want to come with us to Norway? We're going in August. I would do that part-time, but I was so excited about it because I wanted to meet these really cool people. And then as it took on life, me, we, they, I delegated pieces I, was, I had mastered in my real estate company, yep. and I was able to put more time there. And I've gone on and created, I think it's now 17 or 18 streams of income in the last six years, but the exact same methodology. Start it out, master it, delegate it, and then you know go on to something else. I'm a starter. Some people are maintainers and some people are finishers. I'm a starter. I'm a visionary. I can see it, but I don't want to be in it. I get bored. Yeah. Do so I let somebody else do that? You got to know who you are. Read the e-myth if you don't know. Um, figure out who you are <clears throat> and then choose your lane and then dig into it.
0: And then you've obviously learned to leverage well as well. So there's a piece here when, again, back to scaling up businesses, the ability to trust, to bring the right people in. You know, what, what's that famous quote? I think it's by Steve Jobs about bringing people in to you know, an organization or whatever else and telling them what to do is the, you know, yeah, craziest stupid. thing you
1: can do. Yeah. I can't quite exactly Well, I'm I'm guilty of that. Um, <laughs> I'm still learning on the leverage piece. I've gotten a lot better, but I did for a while bring people in and look over their shoulder or get impatient. I'd tell them, Okay, I want this done. And I would say it should take two days. They go, No, it's gonna take like a week. And I'd take it back and I'd do it in two days and I disempower them. And piss them off. Yeah, well, they had twenty other things they had to do plus that, which I didn't take into consideration. Um, so I was actually—it's—it's it's been a learning curve for me. I've hired people that I shouldn't have because I was lazy in interview process. So the whole leadership piece, which is one of my, you know, my eight traits, I think is probably one of the hardest ones to develop because there's so many elements. Nick, there's hiring, training, firing. There, there's running meetings. There's there's being inspirational, there's caring about people, there's people when they have personal things happen in their life, like their family gets sick or what have you, and they need time off, how do you handle that? So I'm still learning that. I'm um, not as good as a lot of people, probably that have, you know, run multi-billionaire billionaire companies, but um, certainly I'm, I'm not terrible at it.
0: No, well, if you're going to have, you know, as you said before, 30 plus streams of income, you've got to be pretty good at it. <laughs> that doesn't just come from nothing. I mean, I, my, my personal perspective on that is, the most important thing is being authentic and being who you are. So yeah. I, I believe that, you know, and I find that in the businesses that I've run and scaled, it's about, you know, understanding where you have maybe a not naturally good at a certain thing and you bring someone in who can do that thing, you know? So I'm not particularly good at some of the operational elements. I bring in someone who is, yeah. um, you know, exactly. And, that, and that's how you scale. And that's certainly what I advise to people who um, listen to the podcast as well. Agreed. A couple more things because I'm conscious of your time. I mean, you'd be very generous with it today. It's been great, by the way. Um, So much stuff here that I know people are going to be asking about. Um, Just explain a little bit more about what you do now. So as you said, you know, you've got various, I mean, obviously your mission to me feels like you're trying to pass on a lot of the things that you've learned through your journey to others. Um, Just give us a bit more about that.
1: Number one, value is growth. Number two, contribution. Number three is significance. Then love and uncertainty and then certainty in that order. So I, I am admittedly like to grow because somewhere deep down inside of me, I feel like if I don't grow, I'm not enough. So I become addicted to growth as a way to uh, fill that hole in that we all have to find a way to fill in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by contributing, by learning to contribute, I feel worthy again. And then it makes me feel significant when all my businesses grow. Yeah. So I've created a strategy for myself that allows me to fill in the, the biggest fear I have that I'm not enough. That was, you know, that was fanned. The flames were fanned by my parents by not being there and validating me growing up. So I have that whole, in, you know, momentum set in place. But today, is an example, this is the last interview I'm doing. Uh, this is the seventh one of the day. So I've been sitting at this desk for seven hours straight, uh, minus mine a few pee breaks. So... What, what do I do typically is um, two to three days a week, I will normally work four to five hours. I will typically exercise three to four hours a day. And that will include cycling, a bit of golf, some tennis, working out, swimming, meditation, yoga. So a, a, a nice palette of different things. Um, I'll spend quality time with family and loved ones, which is something that I think, you know, you look at the big of Regrets is a thing that people don't do. So I've gotten better at doing that. Even though I get a lot of reward from being in business, I, I move myself to being more with family. Even yep. though sometimes, like, okay, come on, enough small talk. I'm ready to go. You know, build another business. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I understand that, <laughs> right? So travel, as you know, uh, I will spend probably two months of the year traveling to really cool, different, exotic places and doing cool, fun things. But most of the time, I just love to do what I do, which I just came back from California where I spoke for an organization, 150 people, and I'm still getting emails and texts and things from people that are like, Man, I just, you know, you changed my life and I'm following this and doing that. So that's really what I spend most of my time. I spend a lot of time, believe it or not, creating and writing content. I never thought I was a writer, but uh, I like to spend time visualizing people's problems and coming up with the easy solution to it. And therefore, these eight traits is something I've been working on for two months now, and it came from doing research on successful Olympic athletes, you know, professional athletes, CEOs, uh, top people in their field. And there's not one top person that was not passionately curious. None, not one. It's not like Justin Bieber became Justin Bieber because he he just was like born you know reincarnated from <laughs> Mick Jagger or whatever. Right, you know. get it.
0: <laughs> or Elvis maybe.
1: Right, right, thank you. Um, I get it. I get it. There's not one person that was hugely successful that didn't have a high level of resilience. There's not one person that became hugely successful that didn't have the ability to, to do two types of asks. One is to ask for help or coaching, guidance. And the other one is to courageously ask for the order. Give me the ball coach with 3 seconds left. I got it. That takes courage, right? Give me the corner table. I want that one for me and my lady, right? I want to race. I want to be on your show, right? So there's nobody that doesn't have these eight traits to me. And so I teach into that because there's a submodality to them. Check it out. If I teach you, we're going to play tennis. Mm -hmm. you got to have a forehand, a backhand, a slam, a serve, a drop, uh, etc. you got eight things. We'll call them the eight traits. Yep. But on every single one of them, is it not true, there's a transfer of weight. Mm -hmm. On every single one, there's somewhere where you're off. You
0: can't hit them all at the same time, can you? So there's a a bit where you have to be good
1: at, you have to be generally good at all. Right, but the transfer of weight is different in all eight of them, but there is a component of transfer of weight. There's a grip, Mm -hmm. there's a place your eyes have to go that's different. So we, we still learn the nuances. So for instance, an asker and resilient person and a student, they all have a sense of curiosity. So as soon as you elevate your curiosity by asking yourself better questions and asking people around better questions, it has a ripple effect on your forehand, your backhand and your volley. Yeah, I got it. So what I do is I peel back to the sub modality and I teach the negotiation or the ask of the resilience. has a ripple effect in all the areas.
0: Wow. Okay. That's cool. That's really, really cool. And that to be frank is from some of the stuff I've done on personal development, that takes it to a different level. Um, it takes it to a level of, of it actually becoming more actionable, um, and something
1: that is, that works. Thank you for saying that because what happens is people go to a Tony Robbins event and I love Tony and they go to these places, but where is the actionable tool that you take home and you go, okay, this is the thing I'm going to do on a daily basis that will increase all of my performance on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, wow. That that is. I mean, that to me is is massive because I agree with you fully. I've been to these things. The same people turn up. I mean, we went to date with destiny, and there was one person that'd been there eight years in a row. And I'm thinking, it's an intense six days. I don't know how your destiny can change that often every year. <laughs> but you know, the same thing is they they get stuck in overwhelm or paralysis. They don't simplify. They don't take action. They don't get a you know progress or a result. And I must say, some of the stuff, even the conversation we had at dinner, you know, the stuff that you're doing around that seems massively different to certainly the stuff I've seen out there. I'll
1: give you a tiny example, just so something actionable you can leave for your people. Just start saying yes to little things that you normally say no to. Somebody says, hey, do you want to, um, you know, dance? You're at a wedding or something. And you're like, no, I'm not a dancer. Just say yes to it. Go up, move around, shuffle around, whatever, and go. I could do that. It's actually you know, a little embarrassing, a little humiliating, but notice something about yourself. Say yes to climbing into your car from the other side over the passenger seat. Say yes to brushing your teeth with your left hand or right hand, whichever way you are, the opposite one. Say yes to putting your pants on the different way. Start saying yes to little things that aren't hurtful, but start to target different parts of your mind. And then when somebody has a business opportunity for you or something that really matters, Your brain's like, we got this, let's go. That's a way you build up your ability to ask, your ability to negotiate, your ability to be curious, your ability to be self-aware. It affects all of them. It's a tool and a tactic. And the next time... Somebody doesn't give you good service at the Ritz Carlton. What do you just be yes to getting a refund.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you said yes in a much more interesting way than that.
1: <laughs> the story.
0: All right, let's let's finish up. I do a bit of a quick fire round just to finish with. I'm conscious that seven hours of speaking to people, you must be ready for. I don't know a gin and tonic or something, or maybe not. Maybe some Perrier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a couple of quick questions to finish with. Yeah. So. What's, and they they sound a bit trite, but trust me, the answers are normally pretty good. So what's the best advice you've ever received?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I would say that nothing has meaning about the meaning you give it. And when you become a meaning master, uh, you change your life. Yeah. I I mean, the flight's delayed, people get upset. You could be happy. You meet somebody cool on the next flight. Uh, It's raining and people get upset. You can't change it. Go in and read a good book. So... It's about being resourceful, man. It's about being resourceful. You do it when you see a. I I have these people sitting on the couch at the office. They're all tired and everything. Their client walks in. Hey, Johnny, how are you? Great to see you. You have the ability to do it. Just do it more often. Cool. Love it. Emotions. I,
0: it's one of the things I, I spend a lot of time thinking about <laughs> and practicing, by the way, as well. Um, okay. So that's the best. What's the worst?
1: The worst advice. Um, oh my God, that's a good question. The worst advice is probably to listen to people that are getting really crappy results. So allow yourself to want to connect so badly with people around you that you're like, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll listen to them. Get away from the people, like don't listen to your broke uncle on finances.
0: Yeah. I, I always used to say, don't go to a fat personal trainer. Yeah, yeah, same thing.
1: <laughs> all you right. just say it better than me. Ah,
0: well, that's because I used to be a personal trainer and I used to see lots of fat ones.
1: <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> I wasn't one. Um, all right, last last question. Um, and again, this one's come from a lady called Catherine Turner who's a fellow podcaster actually over here. And she said, um, "If her words, if you had a magic wand to
1: change just one problem on the planet, what would it be and why? Um, this is probably not going to be the most popular answer but I, this is the thing I got from my father is he goes, if you want to contribute to the healthcare system, don't be one of the sick. Yeah. If you want to contribute to uh, the economy, don't be one of the broke. So I start with helping people become financially free because I find that most people suck in that area. And as long as you suck in that area, you are trading time for money and you never get to work on the things that really matter. So what I do is I go, okay, let's get your finances in order. You may be fat, out of shape, in a terrible relationship, having no sex, whatever the case may be. Let's deal with that later. Let's get your finances in order. Let's get that garden cleaned up. Then you can go to the therapist with your wife. Then you can go to the gym and have time. But if you're trying to do all those things and you're broke, I've found most people don't function properly. So I want to clean up their financial mindset and garden so that they can do the stuff that really matters.
0: Wow. <clears throat> I think that's a great answer to be frank, because I think that's one of the big problems. People, you know, they use spending, um, if you like, as a, as a habit, um, and it becomes an addiction as a distraction yeah. for other things. And then it's one of those um, terrible circles. But once you're in there, I think, I think we talked about it, playing offense and defense. If you can't play defense, you ain't going to win the game. Right. You know, you've got to be able to do that before. And then you do both, then you're going to be very potent. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. All right, sir. This has been awesome. I appreciate massively you coming on the show. There's been so much here. I, what I normally do is I do a bit of an intro and I try and summarize the conversation. I don't know where I'm going to start. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going to have to, I'm going to have to sit there and really, I mean, there's heaps of stuff. But um, I always say at the end of my um, episodes, uh, my mantra, my sort of statement, which is be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. And that's something, back to your kind of I am's, I say that every single day. And I believe it's a strong, or well, for me, it's a strong motto for life because if I do those things with intention, um, it creates an amazing life for
1: myself. So thank you again, sir, been, uh, been an absolute pleasure. I'll just say ditto, well said, <laughs> and uh, nice I am statements. And thanks, Nick, I really appreciated meeting you, being on your, on your uh, amazing podcast. And um, it was a really easy conversation.
0: Good. All right. Thanks again, Rock. Take it easy. All right. Cheers, mate. So it's Nick back again. What did you think of that? Unbelievable, hey? So many different things in that. So many messages. And I think, you know, you could go back and listen to that again and take notes on all the different, uh, I suppose, tips, if you like, for both business scale-up and, you know, getting your mind focused on your goals. Just just an incredible Incredible guy and um, and I really enjoyed the interview, as you can probably tell. So just to finish off today, I don't normally do this, but we didn't talk about it much on the podcast, but Rock does have a a whole community around this stuff. He has various programs. I suggest that you go onto his website and have a look. Certainly, I have no um, affiliation with it other than i I just believe in 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 the work that he does. So, if you have a look there, there's a program called M1. It's a 52-week whole life leadership development program, um, focuses on things like net worth, passive income, health relationships, lifestyle. You know, it's it's not so much about just the theory and the academics. It's about taking action. And I think from my experience and looking at this, where rocks programs go to another level versus um, certainly some of the ones that I've been on is that- you know, when you go to seminars and you and you try and master things in that way, it's quite easy to lose motivation when you leave those seminars. You know, it's like a shot in the arm, but what you really need is you know a permanent shift, if you like. So, I would certainly recommend having a look at Rock Stuff and you know to see if see if any of that stuff's sort of relevant to you. But um, check it out. I'll leave some stuff in the note in the show notes below um, around M1 and uh, yeah. If you've got any questions specifically, you know, around everything we covered definitely reach out to me and as always happy to help. Bye for now.